Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. My guest this week is Spencer Durant. Spencer is a school teacher in the Rocky Mountain West, but he's also a podcaster and a blogger, and if he could just live outdoors, plain and simple, 24-7-365, the man would live outdoors, 24-7-365. Our conversation is next. American Pride Roasters Coffee is such a unique company. You've heard about their struggles uh, with the recent tornado that destroyed nearly everything that Dave and Faith Matthews owned there just outside of Des Moines, Iowa. Well, spring is in the air. Time to renew. Time to rebuild. And it's time for the fresh aroma of APR Coffee. They're back in business. And APR, they take pride in their unique blends Even the concept of the company is different, taking a common thing like coffee and pairing it with extraordinary people from George Washington and Calvin Coolidge to our beloved missed friend, Doc Thompson. APR takes those personalities and creates unique historical blends. And this podcast, At The Mic, well, it's about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, a uniquely American concept. So it's only natural to have a coffee that celebrates the subtle difference makers in our lives. And get this, Dave and the APR Coffee family, they've just created the At The Mic Macadamia Nut Blend, a brew that was created with, well, this nut, me, Keith Malinak, in mind. The At The Mic Macadamia Nut Blend is a full city plus blend of Guatemalan beans and premium macadamia flavor. The unique at-the-mic blend is rich and bold without being overwhelming, and you'll catch hints of caramel, roasted grains, and enough macadamia flavor to create an exciting full-bodied cup. I hope you'll give it a shot today. The ATM Macadamia Nut Blend, available today with a 10% discount when you use promo code ATM at checkout. That's over at APRCoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Well, it's time to get started with my guest this week on At The Mic, Spencer Durant. I said earlier in the show that the man would live outdoors if he could. Uh, (laughs) I mean that sincerely. He and I had a great conversation, getting to know each other a little better. And by the way, when you're listening, uh, keep your ear out for the number 156. That's going to be key in today's conversation. Here's my chat with my friend Spencer Durant. Spencer, man, thanks for making time. I appreciate it, buddy. You bet, Keith. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, so you were born in Logan, Utah, just a beautiful part of the country. In fact, I really looked seriously into a radio job there one time. I forgot all the details of it. I just know that as I was Googling pictures of the area, it's so beautiful there in the, let's see if I remember this correctly, the Cache Valley. Is that right? Do I have that right so far? 100%. Okay. So I know you live in Utah. Whereabouts do you live? I wish this was uh, sophisticated and rich sounding, (laughs) but I split my time between Wyoming and Utah right now. Um, I live about an hour and a half, two hours south of Logan now, uh, down in a suburb of a good old Salt Lake City. I just absolutely love 
basically anywhere in the mountain time zone. It's it's yeah. the most beautiful part of the United States, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it is, and it's the best time zone for watching sports too, because you're not too late for any of the East Coast <laughs> right? games. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, Sunday night football <laughs> starts at six here. That is yeah, when you go to bed as early as I do, I can attest that yes. That would be much more ideal, uh, whether it's uh, Mountain Time Zone, Pacific. Yes, uh, yep. it's, it's tough staying up late. I know you're kind of taking a hiatus right now, but I know you do a podcast. You make me want to be out in the outdoors more. You know, you make me want to be um, a fly fisherman. <laughs> uh, you, you're a great interviewer. I know you had a guy on uh, once that uh, was talking about fly fishing, and it's like, I went and I bought this guy's book just because the interview was so good, and he was awesome. In fact, I think it may be the last book you've read, uh, The Waters Between Us by Michael... Uh, Tagaius. Tagaius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was so great, man. Anyhow, I, I just want you to know that, you see, you have an impact there, and you make people like me who have no business putting bait on a hook want to wade out into a stream and and and, and cast a line but uh i just i mean what a beautiful part of the country that you live in oh it, it really is and i appreciate that man I, a lot of times i feel like i don't know what i'm doing when i bring folks like that in i was super nervous to have <laughs> mike on the show and then i've had some of the other folks from uh, the fly fishing world who were pretty well known and i always feel like i'm asking dumb questions so <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to tell Mike he owes me some royalty money then off of that book, too, that you bought. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I love being out in this stuff. I mean, I've had a lot of different options lately. I could have gone and done all sorts of different things and kind of picked up on just sticking around here because everything else would take me away from the Rockies. And I the only, the only place I'm going to leave the Rockies for is Alaska. So mm. th that's the only place that takes it. So you are a teacher. Tell us what you teach. Yeah, so I teach middle school English right now, sixth and seventh grades, and all the horror stories you hear about public school, public education right now, uh, there's a reason I went to teach in Wyoming, because you largely avoid a good chunk of that stuff. It's... Probably the hardest job I've ever done, and I worked cherry orchards and ranches uh, growing up, and that stuff's a cakewalk compared to teaching, especially teaching 11, 12, 13-year-old <laughs> kids. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to teach them where commas go and prepositions oh. and participles, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a blast. I would imagine your other jobs, like a fishing guide, writing about the outdoors, no offense to the kids, but... You know, you'd probably much rather be doing that than than standing in a classroom talking to these kids all day, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's <laughs> the reason I decided to teach is I love guiding so much. And I realized, well, all I'm doing is just teaching people how to fly fish. And so if I can do if I can take some city slicker who's never fly fished in their life and I can get them into fish by the end of eight hours on the water, then. Mm -hmm. You know, I could probably teach some kids where to put their commas and apostrophes. And so <laughs> it, it's just kind of made sense because I want it. And I'm I'm working on a story about this right now. And I, I don't know when it's going to publish or if it even will, but about the death of the American West, because really you took a trip out here. I believe it was last summer you toured all through the Mountain West, right? 
Yeah. Flew into Salt Lake. Yep. Drove up into Idaho. Went up through the Grand Tetons, Yellowstone, all over Montana, up to Glacier National Park, back down through Boise yep. and Idaho, and then back to Salt Lake. And yes, that that circle right there that takes you from Salt Lake up to the Canadian border and back down is just breathtaking oh, constantly. It is. But if you want to live out there, the jobs just don't exist anymore. And right, it was either kind of give up everything that I grew up with and love and move to the city. Because I worked in marketing. I worked in the NBA for a couple of years. I did that big city thing. And it was okay, but I just... Uh, this is a little bit of hyperbole, maybe, but it feels true. So it felt like my soul was dying just sitting there in these offices in some city somewhere. And so I, I left. I left the NBA. I left the marketing world, got out, and uh, went into fly fishing riding and realized that if I wanted to make any kind of money and not be living in a single wide when I'm 40, then I need to quote unquote <laughs> real job. So that's kind of where teaching came to be because I got some guaranteed income and then I still get to guide and, and do everything else that I like. And so that's a little bit of a safety net for me, but I really do enjoy it too. Cause yeah. How, how old are you? 26. See, you did kind of what I've threatened to do at multiple points in my <laughs> life. And that's just like, I'm moving to the mountains. Yep. So good for you. How does your commute work how does that work for you there i've got an apartment in wyoming and i stay up there most of the week and then my wife still works in salt lake and she'll oh wow she stays down in salt lake her parents live down here and so she stays with their parents a couple nights a week um mm. and then does the hour and a half two hour commute uh, to is that tough oh yeah yeah that that sucks i would not recommend it as a uh, newly yeah. married couple so, because sure. we're only a year and a half into being married, so mm -hmm. <laughs> something like right. that, maybe a little bit. Has it been a year and a half? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna let you check on that uh, calendar there. Don't don't uh, don't mess up the anniversary coming up. Okay. You alluded to the fact that you've worked in the NBA and you've covered Olympic events. Tell us some of your background there in the sports world. Yeah. So I was uh, still am, but not as much as I was. But I'm a big sports nerd. I loved it growing up. There was a basketball court in the church in town, and we would play ball probably three or four nights a week. So I was in fantastic shape. Uh, <laughs> and then everybody... Past tense, I noticed. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I've am i got a Mountain Dew gut going on here now, but <laughs> uh, and all those stinking cookie shops here, too, in Utah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is that a thing? Is that a Utah thing? So... It really is the uh, there's I can think of three off the top of my head that just make fancy cookies, and that's it. Between that and the soda shops where you can go get your soda flavored with whatever, it's diabetes waiting to happen up here. <laughs> so, but I love sports growing up, and we just uh, we had a we had a blast playing, and everybody goes out for the high school basketball team. Everybody makes it except me. So I was like, well, I still want to hang out with my buddies. So I just started writing about the team for the school paper. And right about that time, the Deseret News and KSL, uh, two news sites out of Salt Lake City, 
they Mm -hmm. wanted to expand their high school sports coverage. And I guess they caught wind of what I was doing. So they were like, here, we'll we'll get you a media pass. You can go to every high school basketball game and not have to pay the five bucks or whatever to get in and write about it. And so that's what I did. I, I did that for the rest of high school and then got out of high school and going on a mission for the uh, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, as we were formerly known, the artists formerly known as the Mormons. So <laughs> I came home after about three months due to some really nasty health issues. I was looking for a job once I got healthy, and the Jazz were hiring, the Utah Jazz were hiring. They needed a feature writer. So I applied a didn't think I was going to get it, and they hired me. And then I spent the next couple of years working around in the NBA and just getting to meet all the stars, getting to meet LeBron, getting to meet Steph, getting to meet Kevin Durant, Giannis. It was it was a lot of fun. That's cool. And I've got to ask, because you alluded to this, I think, was this your most embarrassing moment when you got into an argument with then LA Clippers coach Doc Rivers on national TV? Because yeah. I was an Atlanta Hawks fan growing up. And I and I can totally identify with how you said, hey, I, I used to be a bigger sports nerd back in the day than I am now. Because yeah, there's a lot of peripheral things like with politics and and some of the things that the athletes do that, that really taint the experience of just escapism and being able to just watch a game None of the stuff surrounding it. That, that that era is gone, sadly. So I can yeah. understand how you aren't quite involved in sports as you once were. But I grew up in the 80s and loved watching the Hawks, going to the Omni all the time. And Dominique Wilkins, Spud Webb, uh, Moses Malone, uh, Tree Rollins. Yeah, to Kim Matumbo. I'm the. Yeah, I'm not giving a shout out to John Conkac. Never. Uh, <laughs> but Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers was a part of that team. What happened between you two? I, I need to go and watch that. Well, I think it's still on YouTube. Awesome. If you're not a an NBA nut, it probably won't mean as much. But Rudy Gobert, the starting center for the Utah Jazz, everybody gives him grief because he was. Patient zero for the COVID thing, which yeah, right. He he wasn't. He was just the first player to test positive for it. That's neither here nor there. Rudy got into the league the year I started covering the league, and so I've known Rudy for a while, and he's a really good guy, and he is the best defender that I've ever watched play basketball. There's nobody better than him that I've seen in person, and he was out. For the first game of that series against the Clippers, he played the first little bit of it, got injured, and then he came back for game four against the Clippers. And it was post-game press conference, and the Jazz had just wiped the floor with him. I was asking Doc Rivers, who was the coach of the Clippers at the time, what was your game plan like with Rudy Gobert? You didn't know if he was going to play or not, so what was your game plan like? Oh, our game plan's the same no matter who's out there. Really? Your mindset's the same with the best defender in the league on the court. You don't change anything? No, we don't change anything. We just do what we're going to do. Really? That I don't think you're telling me the whole truth here, Doc. I just want you to just give me an answer. And so we went back and forth like that for a few minutes, and my phone starts buzzing in my pocket like nobody's business. I'm like, oh, great. So we finally get done. The PR guy for the Clippers comes over and scolds me, and I tell him to go find a tree and jump up it. I pull my phone out and it's just wall to wall with people like, dude, were you just arguing with Doc Rivers on TNT? (laughs) 
Because I forget in the playoffs, they televised the post-conference. Oh. The post-game conference. And so, yeah, it was all over. I had a buddy in Hawaii who was on vacation watching the game at a bar and texts me and says, dude, you really own Doc on that TNT interview. Oh, no. Yeah, and so it was okay. it was live to the whole world. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this on YouTube later. Yeah, that's, I'll, uh, I'll find it and send you the on, link. Okay, that's on my to-do list. Okay, cool. So biggest inspiration in your life, your dad, correct? Yes. That's great. Tell us about him. He's the middle child out of three kids, grew up, really abusive parents, just real crummy situation that he grew up in. And his mom, she's nuttier than squirrel poop, man. She is. Wow, hold on, hold on. I've never heard that line. I'm going to have to start using that. Um, she's nuttier than squirrel poop. Love it. Well, that's the radio-friendly <laughs> version, you know. Uh, um, yeah, no, no, I got it. <laughs> okay, but no, she she is, man. She's certifiable. She's schizophrenic. She's manic-depressive. She's just nuts. She kicked my dad out when he was 17. And my dad had nowhere to go, ended up going to live with the family, this friend that he barely knew. The guy's name was Mike Fugel. It was funny because he went over to ask Mike if he could stay with them. And Mike was like, well, let me go ask my mom. So he leaves my dad on his front porch with all, all my dad's stuff. And he goes in and, Mom, could, could Shane stay with us for, I don't know, a while? And she says, oh, sure. You know, it's just th that kind of person. You know, they're just... right. And they have become my surrogate family. It's no question where they're my aunts and uncles and cousins and everything. And it's uh, it's been fantastic. And my dad, I believe he was the first in his family to graduate high school. He also went on a mission for the church. The first in his family to do that. Came home, went to college. He was the first one to graduate college in his family. Met my mom, married, had me. He's a salesman and he has this big old house in St. George, Utah down at Southern Utah, kind of by Zion National Park. Sure, I'm very familiar with yep. that part of Utah. Yeah, and so he's down there, and he's got a pool, and he's got his outdoor kitchen, and he's got his garage, and he's rebuilding the Trans Am right now. So he went from having absolutely nothing, making three twenty-five an hour at the McDonald's there on Main Street in American Fork, Utah, to owning a house that's worth more than anything I'll ever be able to afford. I look at that, and it's just through the whole thing. My dad never, never really wavered in his faith in God, and his commitment to living it, and his commitment to doing the right thing. If I can ever be half the man that my dad is, I will have done something pretty good with myself. There is a shortage of great fathers in this country, and it sounds like you got one. Oh, I did. I got um, lucky. Yeah. You mentioned your wife. You guys, I think you still qualify as newlyweds. You and Jessica Ann have been married yeah. for a year and a half or so here. Yep. Where'd you guys meet? We met on Twitter. Oh! <laughs> uh, of all places, yeah. We met on Twitter. I was uh, I was hitting on one of her friends. <laughs> oh, no! What? Yeah, I was, oh, no. One of her friends was on Twitter, and I was, uh, I was, I was trying to, you know, bust a move with that and uh <laughs> and the friend was like well i'm not interested but jessica might be and <laughs> i didn't know how to take that so but then me and, right. <laughs> me and jessica start talking and we she she made me 
for a solid month, we just texted, talked on the phone, and she would not agree to go on a date with me for about a solid month. Finally, she relented, and her mom, my mother-in-law, Laura, got wind of her daughter going on a date with this guy from Twitter, and she <laughs> she shut that down. Oh, wow. Or she tried to. I, I ended up coming over to their house, and I spent like an hour with her parents first, and then uh-huh. we, we went, and this was in March of 2020, so okay. hi- height of the closures. Everything shut down, right? And so there was nowhere to go, so we went to drive through at Chick-fil-A and sat in my truck in the parking lot and ate Chick-fil-A. Wow. And that was our first date. That was the last first date. Yeah. That was the last first date I ever went on, and that was in March, and then I proposed Memorial Day weekend. Wow, my goodness. Yeah. So you knew within a couple of months. Well, yeah, I, I knew because I she was my 156th first date. Bro, you actually kept up with that? I, I counted because I oh. was so convinced I was never going to get married. Uh-huh. And I wanted to have evidence to show to everybody that, well, why aren't you married yet? Well, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I'm stuck between <laughs> admiring you for keeping that stat and wondering what are you doing? Because you're torturing yourself. But 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 hold on. Is it is it a line in a book and you just keep marking these lines or is there like a, a like a, are you writing the date like uh uh March 20th uh 2018 uh went out with uh Nancy like like is that oh my gosh yeah. I got to hear how you're keeping up with this number dude tell well, me when I hit around like 50 or 60 first dates I was like I I really need to figure out how many I've gone on so I went back through oh, cuz I could remember to that point, and I went back through. And I wrote it all down. I do a lot of journaling. I I kind of okay. always have. Okay, B- being a writer, that's a right part of it, you know. And, and and people like you who make a written record of the times we're living in are the ones who are writing our history books. Really? Well, it's going to be real depressing history. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to put a trigger <laughs> warning on it. You know? but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just I wrote it all down when I got to about fifty or sixty, and I looked through. I was like, well, shoot. That ain't good. And that's just the first dates. I didn't keep track of second dates or uh-huh. All right. relationships, anything like that. So there, it was more than 156 dates. It was just the first dates. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You know, it was always, oh, I can get a first date, but I can't ever get a second date. <laughs> and Oh, man. Yeah, it was, uh, then I just ended up keeping track. Uh, I'd come home from a date and I'd pull that notebook out and. I mean, this you is know. like a movie or or a book or something. You got to do something with this. Oh, I've. The problem is I can't switch the name. There's 156 names in there, and I can't switch them around enough to cloak their identities. So I don't want to get sued either. Because you can make up 156 different names. You don't have to. Oh, uh, you can make this happen. Like, and the uh, name of the book is 156 First Dates, and people will think it's some connection to 50 First Dates. Yep. They'll end up buying it in mass, and before they realize it's not connected to the movie, you got yourself a bestseller. I think you got a winner, Spencer. <laughs> in fact, you should go buy the domain right now before this podcast post. 156firstdates.com. Do it. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's that's how it happened. I kept track, and I I remember I went. <laughs> The day, the day of the date, I was living with my best friend at the time, Lander, 
a heck of a guy named after the town of Lander, Wyoming. If anybody's ever all right, there. yeah, all right. And we were sitting in the front room of my house. I had a little twin home just outside of Provo, Utah, and we're sitting there and we're playing Xbox. And he looks at his watch and he says, "Hey, don't you have a date in like an hour?" And I look. I'm why, like, why, why am I visualizing Beavis and Butthead right now? Hey, uh, do you have a date in like a half hour? <laughs> yeah, well, because that's exactly what it is, Keith. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I do. And oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, should we finish this or do you need to go get ready? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And so <laughs> we finish playing our game and I get up to leave and he's like, so, uh, are you excited? And I'm like, do I look excited? This is number 156. I'm not excited. <laughs> this is a movie, bro. Your diary, your your journal of all these dates is a movie. Oh. I, 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 I'm sorry. I sent 156 scenes. It, the one takeaway from each date. Even if you have to embellish it for a movie or a book or something. I don't know. You got to work on this. But anyhow, what happened then? Well, I didn't even really want to go on the date, but I was like, yeah, I'll mm. go. And my exact words to Lander as I left were probably not going to work out. I'll be home. I'll grab us some breakfast burritos on the way home. We'll play some more NBA 2K tonight when I get back. Because <laughs> that was that was our peak manhood that we had reached was whose turn it was to buy breakfast burritos from the Mexican joint down the street and trying to beat each other in NBA 2K because we had nothing better to do with ourselves. Yeah, I came home, didn't get the breakfast burritos because I got home late because mm-hmm. the date went <laughs> so stinking well. That was all she wrote. And I knew I knew after because I'd been on so many stinking dates, I knew what I was looking for. So I knew once I went out with Jess and I kind of sat on that date for a little bit and thought about it. And I was like, man, okay, I can't screw this one up. She took pity on me or something. I don't, I don't know what, but... <laughs> I got I got the second date and it was uh I wasn't letting her go after that. So Okay. All right. I, I've got a question for you here because your favorite book is Peter Pan. Yes. Is it similar to the movie and the cartoon or is it completely different? It, help me understand. I guess I just never took the time to even investigate that there was an actual well, book about Peter Pan. Well it's not like the Disney movie, I guess. It's okay, okay. One of the few Disney movies I've ever seen. And my students cannot believe that I don't watch Disney movies. So they are. Yeah, why is that? I just don't. I I just mm. I don't I don't watch a lot of movies to begin with. And if I do sit down to watch one, it's not going to be a bunch of people making a lot of noise because that's what I deal with every day at work. So. Okay, but. Are you planning on having kids someday? Uh, yeah, but we're not doing TV. We're not doing nothing. We're gonna homeschool them. We're gonna live off the grid, and mm. yeah, I don't want these kids to be uh, screwed up. So yeah. they're they're gonna learn how to hunt and fish uh, as soon as they can walk. So I like it, but it's a good plan. Yeah, no, it's it's similar to the book. I love the lyrical way that J.M. Barry writes. He's just such a fantastic author. And I just love the whole idea of Peter Pan of uh, the boy who never grew up. Felt like that was me for a long time because all I did was run around and uh, fish and travel all over the country and not do anything responsible and just, uh, and that was a blast. That's all I, that's all I did for 
for like a solid four years, I I traveled. There was a stretch there for a couple of years where I don't think I spent more than three or four weeks in a row in my own bed because I wow. was just on the road, sleeping in my truck or really sketchy motels, fishing my guts out, and that's all. That's all I did for a while, and it was. <laughs> It was so bad because I go to Alaska every year uh, to fish, and that's where Jess wanted to go on our honeymoon. So took her to Alaska, and I booked. She trusted me to book everything, which she shouldn't have done, uh, because I I booked a dry cabin uh, outside of Denali for us because it was cheap. It was only like two hundred bucks for the whole week. But dry cabins are just that; they don't have any water in them. They have, they have electricity, but they don't have any water. Wait a minute, hold on. So, so your wife is facing the prospect of a honeymoon with no running water. So, never mind hot showers. No running water whatsoever. Yeah, no run. Yeah, if you want to, uh, there, there's an outhouse. <laughs> oh no. You know, bro. But I'm sitting here like, hey, I saved us money, and. I can't remember how it came up, but it came up at dinner with her parents a couple of nights before the wedding and her mom and dad. I thought they were, I thought they were going to kill me. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. They, they canceled the reservation and then they made a reservation, uh-huh. saved it. And I was, yeah, I felt really, did, really stupid. Cause I was like, why did, did I think they, that was a good idea? But, right. Did they remind you that this is a honeymoon, not a hunting trip? Yeah, those were my mother-in-law's exact words. Okay, all right. It was uh, it was fantastic. Speaking of your wife, the most scared you've been is when you thought that she was pregnant and you guys weren't ready for kids. What? Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is there is there a, more to that story? I mean, I'm digging a hole for myself here, so I might as well just keep going, right? Right, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so <laughs> the usual signs of uh, pregnancy were showing, and uh, she was sick, a uh, few other things were going on, and couldn't figure out why she was sick, and we are both like, uh, well, did we, you know, were we were we safe last time? And I kind of got this pit in my stomach. Like, I uh, know I, th- I think she's pregnant and I was in the middle of student teaching. So I was not making any money. She was working. Uh, but we, the housing market's just so ridiculous here in the mountain West right now. It's ludicrous. You need a starter home anywhere out here is $500,000. Oh, and God. I kid you not, Keith, I saw, a double wide trailer for sale the other day, three hundred and eighty thousand. What? Yeah, that's how it is out here. So we're living with our parents because we can't afford anything on one income. We can't even afford to live here on two incomes. That's part of why I teach and live in Wyoming is because we can't afford to live in Utah anymore. Oh man, not even on two incomes. And anyway, so I was sitting there and I'm just. I, I'm the kind, I'm the type who worries a lot. So I was worried sick that I got her pregnant. I was like, what's going to happen? Cause you know, we don't, we don't have any insurance. We, we're still living with her parents. I can't believe this. I can't believe I did this. What an idiot. And I was so nervous about it, but she was like dead. She's like, I, I'm not pregnant. 
don't worry, it's okay. Well, I, I was so nervous that I got done teaching, went to Walgreens on my way home. I bought a pregnancy test and a can of Pringles because <laughs> my wife loves Pringles. And I walked into our room. Get, Wait, no breakfast burritos, though? No, no breakfast burritos, no. Okay. So I walk into our room and I hand her the pregnancy test. <laughs> and... I hand her the pregnancy test and I shake the Pringles and I say, you can have the Pringles if you're not pregnant. <laughs> oh, no. I bet that went over well. Yeah, she wasn't pregnant. Uh, that was the longest, like, 20 minutes of my life waiting for that stupid pregnancy test to finish. So uh, I was scared to death because I thought I, I thought I was done for. <laughs> you're done for? Wait, you... You guys were married, right? And you want to have kids, and you thought this was just the end of life? Well, you never felt that way when you had your first kid? No, no. no. Not, even, not even a little bit? Like, this is the end of everything I knew, and life's going to change completely? It'll uh, never be the I same? Mean, I, knew, I knew life was going to change, but... You didn't have any I existential dread? Nah, we were ready, man. I mean, granted, you weren't, yes. so maybe that's the difference that, here. That's the key. But, uh, is yeah, Mindset-wise, mindset we were was, not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay. Very good, very good. Um, now, what is this about you being able to play um, the violin, the guitar, the banjo, the mandolin, the viola, the piano, several other instruments here, but yet, where's this music? Do you not post it online or... Or recorded, or what's the story there? Well, our our mutual friend, uh, Sir Patrick uh, of Helena, the that famed musician there. Oh, Pat Gray. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. guitarist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's just say that our music sounds very similar. So <laughs> okay. I keep it I keep it close to the vest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can play these instruments, just not well. Yeah, I guess. Well, okay, very good. I play the piano. Since I was six, um, so the piano and the violin, uh, I'm fine, and I play those in front of people all the time. I, hmm. my uncle, uh, my uncle Mike, the guy that my dad went to live with, actually, he has a string quintet here in Utah, and uh, I'll go play with them sometimes, and uh, so we, we do that stuff, but. Uh, the guitar, the banjo, everything else—that's uh, that's just for, that's just for me, just to have fun, just to mess around with. So, okay, yeah. Biggest turning point in your life, you went on your LDS mission. Where were you at uh, for your mission? So they sent me a farm kid from uh, Santa Quin, Utah, is where I grew up, to New York City. Oh my goodness! And they so then asked me to speak Spanish. So I yeah. I was Spanish speaking in New York City in Queens is where I ended up. And I had a really hard time with that. I had a really hard so time. So you already you already spoke Spanish before no. you got assigned there? No, my goodness, no, dude. No. I took 3 years of German in high school. Why did they do that to you? That doesn't make sense at all. Well, it didn't make sense to me either, but that's the whole you got to have faith and hope that Mm -hmm. You know, the people are making the right decisions, which in retrospect, they definitely were. Uh, but I went out there and um, I, I tried. I tried really hard. I wanted to succeed at it, but uh, I'd had issues with depression and anxiety before my mission. 
but it those reared their head really bad when I was out there. Um, actually got so bad I tried to kill myself. No, man. Yeah, it it just got nasty, and so I, after that, I was like, well, I, I'm not gonna stay here anymore. And there there were a few people who said, oh, you're you're in New York. There's some of the best uh, shrinks in the world. And I was like, yeah, you really think I'm going to get fixed sitting on a couch in some Manhattan uh, high rise? That's not going to happen. And so I I left after three months, came back here to Utah and got uh, got my crap figured out. And uh, it's been a little bit of a bumpy ride back from that with my relationship with the church and a few other things, but ended up coming back to the church about three years ago now, I left for a little while, came back uh, about three, yeah, I think about three years. Mm. Um, and I'm in it for the long haul this time, but it was, uh, it was a lot of stuff. And I, I wondered for a long time, like, why did that happen? And why did, I think it's normal for any, uh, any person of faith, you know, Christian, uh, Judaism, anything to wonder like, well, why did, why did God let all this stuff happen? Right. Right. And I wondered that for a long time enough that I didn't, I didn't go to church anymore. And I, I, I didn't quit believing, but I quit caring and Mm. that was an issue. And in retrospect, I see exactly why everything happened the way that it did. Uh, but it was really, it was really tough to have the faith to go through that, um, yeah, and to push on. But it's, you know, it is what it is. And uh, the biggest thing I learned from all that is, you know, I can't, I can't change what anybody else does. I can just handle my own stuff, and so that's what I try to do. And heaven knows, I still can't handle my own stuff halfway decent at all. So. Hmm. Well, I can say that as someone who has lived up that way, uh, lived in New Jersey, commuted into Manhattan every day, that city will mess with you. That Especially if you're from, like in your case, Utah, my case, the South. New York City is a completely different animal. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. And if you're not careful, uh, it can absolutely uh, destroy your soul. So I'm glad that you were able to get out of there and and also find the help you needed. Mental health is a is a big thing, you yeah. know, and it and it doesn't get talked about enough, and especially in this age, this twenty twenty two, this COVID era that we're living in, the demons that we might have, it's only exacerbated by what's going on in the world. It, it's just uh, well, the it, chaos is accelerating around the world and in our own minds. It is, and the the amount of behavior problems I see with my students blows me away. Mm. And a lot and that's of it, in a rural part of the country. Yeah. And, and that's in a really, I mean, they, they had a mask mandate for a little bit, but they never, Wyoming never shut down like the rest of the country mm-hmm. did. But even, even these kids got the brunt of it when they had to go to online only school for a while, um, not see their friends and, the biggest thing I see now is they can't handle their emotions. Well, they, they have no clue how to handle these things. They, they just have no emotional stability. A lot of these kids and 
it's so prevalent among kids from so many different backgrounds that I kind of, I think I kind of have to pin it on the whole pandemic and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not a mask mandate, it's, it's, it's learning from home. Yep. In fact, you even mentioned, I thought it was a great line. I mean, you, you went through COVID college. I mean, you recently graduated uh, Utah Valley University. Yep. And you were talking about how COVID college, I mean, just not fun at all. And and that's what these kids are up against with the mass mandates, with the uh, the, the remote learning. Um, and never mind all of the uh, things that we are bombarding them with, whether it's something like a um, – uh, a CRT curriculum or, or, or we're terrifying them into recycling and, yeah. and taking care of mother earth. Um, or it's questioning their sexuality at all, at all stages of their childhood. It's one thing after another. I cannot imagine trying to be a, a kid today and be a kid that remains sane. Yeah. I, I don't know how the, the kids I have that are, like, well-adjusted, I don't know how uh, they've managed to pull it off. Um, it, it's just, I, I don't think I could do it. If I, if I had to grow up right now, I don't think I could do it. Right. Right. Well, it appears that in the back of your mind lives kind of this bucket list item where you would love to, and I think this would be—I think this would do wonders for your mental health. For me, it would only make it worse. <laughs> but uh, I think for you, going to the Guiana rainforest for a month to go fly fishing—I mean, this is something you're going to do one day. I can just tell. That—that um, that would be helpful. Uh, and I love the rest of your things here. Visit Antarctica. Uh, yeah. And then go fly fishing on the Fitzroy River in Australia. You've got some plans, man. Are you going to try to do these before you have kids or after the kids you have are out of the nest? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just going to do them when we finally have the money. So <laughs> that's, that's, what a, that's what it comes down to. I think uh, I don't know if we'll be able to get to Australia um, ever. So just with how crazy that country right. is right now. Exactly. You can't make plans anymore. It's no. impossible. Yeah, and I my cousin's getting married. She's from Italy and her family's been married in the same church in this mountain valley for like 700 years or something like that. Wow. And Italy wants you two shots plus a booster plus a negative COVID test to get in the country. And I'm just not willing to do that. No. At this point. That's a wedding know? I will not be attending. Well, and on top of the $10,000 plane tickets, it's everything else. I'm just like, it's, I, I can't do it. But yeah, no, I want to, I, I want to be, I, I want to go to all those places. I really want to go to Antarctica. I'm fascinated with these barren, seemingly lifeless places like Antarctica that <laughs> somehow support a whole bunch of wildlife. And are you able to fish there? How would you figure that out? Honestly, there's a little bit uh, to do around there. I think, uh, I'd probably just hire a boat captain and go out and uh, just see what we could jig up fishing off the bottom of the ocean. Man. So. Dude, you better post pictures if you if you do manage these trips, you know? Oh, I, I will. I'm going to try and find a way for uh, National Geographic to pay for it, too. So. Aha, there uh, it is. That's the plan, but. Yeah, good luck with that, man.
have we pretty much covered everything here? Is there anything that, that you want to revisit here or, or touch up on here? No, I, I think we're good. All right. Cool, man. Well, thank you for making time, man. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Spencer Durant, uh, he's got the Unhooked podcast. Not sure when you're going to find the time. Uh, I Trust me, I understand the the limits on time. Absolutely. But uh, if you get those back up and going, make sure that uh, you inform me. You're on Twitter and Instagram, at Spencer underscore Durant. That's uh, two R's in Durant. Spencer yep. underscore Durant. And uh, check out that blog. Now, you you regularly update that one. So you've got some good outdoor stuff that people could check out uh, on your website, spencerdurant.com as well. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks a bunch, Keith. It was a blast being on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for making time, Spencer. We'll catch up with you again soon, man. Uh, you bet. It was great getting to know more about Spencer than I've heard in his podcast or read on his blog. For him to open up about his own struggles, that took courage, and I really appreciated his honesty. Depression, of course, is something that affects millions of Americans. And while it can be tough, there is always hope. So there's a book that I want to tell you about. And this book is not connected to today's conversation, has nothing to do with Spencer. I, I just thought this would be a good opportunity to mention one woman's fight with depression and how her sharing of her story may help you or someone you love who may be struggling. In the book, Depression Isn't a Swear Word, one woman shares her story and takes us down her path and her fight with depression. We learn about her struggles, how finding the light at the end of the tunnel is always possible. Everyone's journey is different, and this is hers and how she made it through. If you're dealing with depression, it's my sincere hope that you find your own path out. Please know that you're never alone. The book Depression Isn't a Swear Word can be found on Amazon. Depression Isn't a Swear Word, a book that could truly help you or someone you love. Thank you for checking it out. And thank you for making time with us today. Please check out the archives and the nearly 100 episodes of At The Mic waiting for you over on atthemicshow.com. And don't forget to please rate and review. I would be so grateful. And as always, please go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.